0: Uh, yesterday, we were talking about price controls, and there's a lot of talk about that lately, right, with uh, soaring inflation and things like that, and uh, Jagmeet Singh talking about how grocery stores are gouging and um, oil companies are making massive profits. The premier was even talking about that this week, um, and we got into a discussion about whether or not we want set government controls over pricing. Now, we accept it in some areas, one of them being drug pricing. That's something that um, we all seem to be okay with. And there's actually some new regulations and rules around medicine and patented medicine and things like that coming into effect in our country this summer. Been a long time coming in some of these cases. To walk us through what's happening, uh, we're going to chat now with um, Steve Morgan. Uh, Steve is... Oops, just a second here. Steve... uh, Thank you for joining us, Steve. Appreciate your time. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, Steve is a professor of health policy at the University of BC and has served as an expert advisor to the World Health Organization on Pharmaceutical Pricing and Innovation. So, Steve, let's just start by getting sort of the lay of the land of how things work in Canada, or have worked, I guess, around drug pricing and, and setting prices for drugs.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's a bit of a complicated story, and so to simplify things, uh, I like to tell people to look at the back of a door when they go into a hotel room and see the price that hotels list on that. It's called a rack rate. Well, Canada has regulated essentially that rack rate for prescription drug prices uh, actually for 30 years now, based on the idea that the the list price of a prescription drug in Canada should roughly be the same as the list price in other high-income countries. And actually, for 30 years, we've been using countries that were known to have high drug prices. But also known to have lots of pharmaceutical investment with the idea that if we limit our prices to their levels, maybe the pharmaceutical companies would invest here in Canada. Hasn't quite worked out that well. We have high list prices of medicines in Canada. That is, the rack rate for our drug prices is quite high by global standards. And yet we don't actually have the level of research and development that we want it. So the government's been talking for many years now about changing that system um, and made some really innovative proposals this last couple of years. They're only going forward with some of the proposals um, and not the whole package. So there'll be some relief, perhaps, for some drug prices, but not quite the dramatic change that many people were hoping for.
0: Okay, so just uh, for a little clarity around that, when you mentioned the rack rate of a hotel room, the the one on the back of the door we all know is reduced, ridiculously high, (laughs) and very few people actually pay that rate. If that's the bar that we're setting for drug pricing, it seems like we're not doing that well.
1: Exactly. uh, And and we're not alone. There are 23 uh, OECD member countries, so so relatively high-income countries, that all do the same thing. We all say, well, we can't really control drug prices that effectively because you know manufacturers of medicines are pretty sophisticated in their negotiations and and how they play the game so all we'll do is look at our neighbor and uh, and assume that if we if our list price is the same as theirs then we're doing okay but so many countries now do that that the pharmaceutical manufacturers did what automakers do and what hotels do which is to post these ridiculous list prices that nobody will ultimately pay everyone's left to negotiate better deals and in high income countries with universal health systems like the united kingdom and scandinavian countries and australia new zealand and several other european countries they use the purchasing power of their health system to negotiate secret prices that are way better than those rack rates. Um, But Canada was going to try to regulate the secret prices in Canada. And unfortunately, the federal government lost uh, one key court case concerning that regulation. And then I think they frankly lost the political will to push back and, and really do that. So we've left... The confidential prices, the final prices that insurance companies or drug plans from the provinces will pay, that's still now unregulated, um, and it's sort of a, you know, um, whoever pays what, whatever they can negotiate, that's what happens in this country. And, and we're left essentially with new list prices, new rack rates. Yeah. Um, they will be a little lower in Canada. But they will still be ridiculous, particularly for specialty medicines for very serious conditions like cancer and enzyme replacement therapies and autoimmune diseases. The price tags of those drugs can be literally hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. And very few countries around the world actually pay those list prices.
0: Is that what this primarily is about, Steve? These, you know, we all see it like, you know, it's $100,000 a month to keep this little guy alive. And, you know, and they grab news headlines, obviously, because people care about it. Is it those kinds of isolated cases that we're talking about? Or is this right across the board? You and I go to the pharmacy for for who knows what?
1: Well, it, it, it is across the board. But the the greatest um, concern in, in Canada and, frankly, around the world is those drugs to treat very serious yeah. conditions for which the patients have no alternative. Well, you've set up what is kind of tantamount to a hostage taking. Nobody wins. You know, the, the obviously governments want to provide access to the treatment, but manufacturers will ask extraordinary sums for those treatments, and then behind closed doors, they'll negotiate some compromise. And the regulations that Canada was trying to pass but unfortunately failed was to set a limit on essentially the price per year of life gained from treatment um, that could be charged in the Canadian market. And they failed to do that under legal and political pressure. Um, And so we are now still, just like every other country, faced with these closed-door negotiations over what is a fair price or what is the, the maximum price. Um, you know, Alberta or other provinces or Canada as a whole will pay for those things.
0: I guess that's the question, because, I mean, surely the pill itself isn't worth a million dollars a year. But of course, we know there's research, there's development, there's all this stuff that the drug companies say, that's what you're paying for. You're not paying for the drug. Is there a way to, to actually have these companies justify or give us a cost breakdown that governments can hold up and say, okay, this is why we're paying this much? I mean, does that exist?
1: Yeah, there isn't yet, and actually, I sat on an expert advisory committee for the World Health Organization. I still do because we meet every two years to talk about what they call fair pricing of medicines worldwide. Um, what one of the things that people would like to see is clear, transparent accounting of exactly how much did the the firm who holds a patent for a new drug actually pay to research and develop that drug? And then how much did we as taxpayers through our granting agencies, whether it's the big NIH in the United States or the CIHR in Canada, but also through our tax subsidies, um, how much did we actually pay for the R&D? And it turns out that the, the research on this suggests that an overwhelming majority of medicines come to market based predominantly on basic scientific discoveries that you the taxpayer paid for but the patent is owned by the firm and so there is global discussions about being more transparent about research and development costs and who bore those costs and there is global discussion about setting a limit on what is a reasonable price to charge for any life-saving treatment when you realize that um, those sorts of treatments can set up Uh, you know, extraordinarily difficult ethical and clinical decisions around, of course we want to save lives, but we can't sacrifice the rest of our healthcare systems or the rest of our social programs for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's an awful position. Um, So back to where we started, what are we going to see uh, this summer? What, What gains did the Canadian government manage to make on this file?
1: We changed uh, from looking only at seven high-income countries with high drug prices as our benchmark to looking at 11 countries with more comparable health systems and and slightly lower pharmaceutical prices. So you can expect to see on brand-name drugs some list prices to come down a little bit. Um, However, most of the ones for which this really matters, again, like the high-cost new medicines, Our provincial drug plants are already negotiating confidential deals that would be below the new list prices for Canada. So unfortunately, we're not going to see hundreds of millions of dollars saved by our provincial governments. But we will probably see um, patients that are uninsured, and unfortunately there's far too many of them in Canada. They will get a little bit of relief if they are still filling prescriptions at their own cost um at what is essentially that hotel rack rate mm-hmm. an incredibly inflated price it'll be just less incredibly inflated still unreasonable but but a little less unreasonable
0: okay progress is there a hope for more progress down the road is this the first step maybe
1: Uh, Yeah, I think this is a part of what an overall package of policy reforms that Canada has been contemplating and announced that it will move forward on. The most important of these is moving forward with a system of universal prescription drug coverage for Canadians, a national pharmacare program, as they've called it, Um, along with that developing a new organization called the Canadian Drug Agency, which will be responsible essentially for making those negotiations on what we will actually pay for medicines. And if it is negotiating on behalf of all 36 million Canadians as a true national program for funding medicines of proven value, then it will have among the best negotiating power for medicines in the world, and it will be able to secure um, not just hundreds of millions of dollars, but actually billions of dollars in savings every year Um, which will allow us to have better coverage for everyone Mm -hmm. at, at, interestingly enough, at lower cost, which is exactly what we see in countries like the United Kingdom with their NHS, places like Australia with their national prescription drug pl- benefit, they do this. They have a national level negotiation for, for universal coverage. And it will, if that comes to fruition or when it comes to fruition, because the government said they will introduce legislation next year, um, that has the, the, per, the pro- possibility of protecting everyone who's currently uninsured or facing high deductibles under their existing drug plans, but also consolidating that negotiating power, which is ever so important when dealing with um, manufacturers of medicines that surely have value, but they also, manufacturers of medicines have their own negotiating power, which we need to be able to balance out.
0: It's a tough one. It really is. Uh, Steve, great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is Steve Morgan. Steve is a professor of health policy at the University of British Columbia. And as you heard, he served as an expert advisor to the World Health Organization on pharmaceutical pricing and innovation. It's it's a tough one. Um, but like he says, it, it you're, you're facing some pretty tough ethical decisions there.